Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of your Valentine's Views podcast here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I'm your host, Ed Valentine. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube, and subscribe anywhere that you uh, listen to podcasts across the uh, the Big Blue View Radio Network as well. All right, as we continue getting ready for the 2023 NFL Draft, continue to try to bring you different voices, different perspectives on uh, what might happen in the uh, the upcoming draft here in a couple of weeks. Today I have uh, with me, I have former NFL personnel executive TJ McCrate, who is now, I'm not sure exactly what the title is, but I believe it's lead scout for 33rd team. And, and TJ, thanks for hopping on and you can correct me uh, if, uh, if the title is wrong, but, uh, but I, I appreciate your, your time coming on the show. No, you hit it right on Adam. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So, you know, you're one of those guys that's been in the league for, you know, been in the NFL, worked in the NFL for a long time, but you know, NFL fans probably don't know who you are. So just tell folks a little bit about your background and, uh, and how you got to, uh, to, to working for 33rd team? Well, like you said, I was in the NFL for 25 years. I started out uh, as, a, as a young guy in Baltimore, um, and then from there went to, to Cleveland and Arizona and Indianapolis, and then ultimately the Eagles. So I was around some great organizations, and I did a lot of different things. I was everything from a college scout to a director of college scouting, director of pro personnel, I was the um, director of player personnel in Cleveland. So, so I did a lot of different things, both on the college and, and pro side. And then after 25 years, it, I've, I had enough, and I just wanted to uh, still be involved with football, and, and that's how I landed with the 33rd team. And that's, that's really, that's really cool. You know, one of the things that, that I love about the 33rd team, I think you and I were talking a little bit before we started, I, you know, I can, I can give people all of the, the opinion and thought that I want. And we have some incredibly smart people at Big Blue View that, that can really break down film and, and, and can, and actually understand the, the X's and O's and, and how to scout players better than I do. But I always value the opinions of people that have worked in the league, that that know how these meetings go, that know how teams think. So that for me is one of the great things about 33rd team is it's just filled with people who who have been in the league before. So I, I really, you know, I really appreciate the work that you guys do. Well, thank you. We try to be a little bit different. We have four of us within the scouting department and all four have NFL experience and uh, varying from scouting experience, some salary cap experience. So we've all been in those draft rooms before. So uh, it, it, it's it's going well so far. We're having a lot of fun. And I think there's a lot of good content that people will enjoy reading. You know, one of the things that, uh, that, that I wanted to ask you about, you, you go from, you know, you, you work for a bunch of different organizations and just, how different is the process and how different, 
is is the way that that each team does things. I mean, everybody winds up with their own draft boards, and people always wind up shocked at how did this guy go in the first round and that guy go in the third round, and how did this guy last until day three? And but everybody sees things differently, and I'm just curious how different the the process is and 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 working, you know, f- as you go from team to team. Well, there's similarities. Uh, just in scouting in general, but I would say there's uh, kind of two main differences in the teams that I've worked for. Uh, kind of, there's kind of the the Green Bay way, which is when I was in Indianapolis for a short time with Chris Ballard, where everyone gets in a room together, watches the film, watches every player, and it's a you know a 30 day process. It's a long drawn out process, and then kind of the other way is the Raven way, which I grew up in, where you don't watch the film as a group, but you actually sit there and read your reports and set the board through reading your reports. So in that way, it's it, it matters more with a scout who can really sell his player. Whereas when you're watching the, fil- the film as a group, there's really no selling. You know, you talk through the player, you talk through each play, and then you kind of set your board from there. But ultimately, it all comes together in the, in the same way. You're trying to get the, the best player for your team. You know, not necessarily an all-star team, but you're trying to find the best player for your team that fits your scheme, that's coachable and smart and tough and has and has the ability. That, that's Ed, probably the biggest thing since I started in the league 25 years ago was the character of the player. You have to know that. And every scout on all 32 team, they delve into this character and the background of the player, because just like anyone who works in an office or wherever you work, no one wants to be around bad people and they kind of drain the life on out of you. And a football team is no different. And despite all of that work, you know, sometimes you still get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's not an exact science. You're dealing with people. You still get it wrong, but you try to get as much information as you can. You try to use your experience so you can limit those those misses. But it still happens. I mean, there's been players where I felt so strongly about, and that just didn't work out. But you know, there's a variety of reasons. You know, it, I was going to say is is it. Is it usually, you know, those character reasons, those it's generally, I wouldn't say it's talent. It's usually not, you know, misidentifying, you know, what a guy's skills are. It's, I would, I would guess that it's generally talent or fit or, or not talent, but I mean, it's fit, it's attitude, it's, it's approach. It's those kinds of things that, that end up causing you to miss on a guy. Yeah, the most of the misses that I've been a part of were because the player didn't love football and didn't give great effort and and wasn't consumed by it. You know, we talk about, hey, you have to have life balance in your life and not really in football. You have to be all about football. You have to love the process. So most of the misses that I've been around were just guys that, hey, football, they liked it, but they didn't love it. All right. You know, I wanted to ask you, we're in that phase right now, a couple of weeks out from the from the draft, and teams are going through their their local visits. They're going through their what are called top thirty visits, which aren't really top thirty, but just what exactly 
are those and what are teams allowed to do? You know, I know there's differences in what they're allowed to do with top 30s versus local visits. So if you can just explain, you know, what teams are trying to, to gain, you know, fr- from each of those. So the local visits are probably second to the top 30 visits. The local visits are players that went to high school within your area. So if you work for the the Giants players within, I think it's a 50-mile radius of the facility, you're allowed to bring those players in for a local workout day. And in that, that's where you get a chance. You can run them in a 40, you can do position drills, and you can interview them. You could do all those things. And and that, you know, if you're if you're working for the Dolphins, that could be hundreds of players. Or if you're working for the Packers, it may not be as many. But uh, each team has a local pro day. And it's, it's just a good chance to maybe find a guy that you maybe didn't know quite as much about. Maybe he was from a small school. Um, so there's there's been times where we found players from our local day. But but more importantly, the top 30 visits each team's allowed to bring in 30 players. This is after the combine. And usually you're doing this because you need more information. You need to find out something about the player. You know, that 20 minute interview at the combine in Indianapolis, maybe you didn't quite get everything you needed. So you say, Hey, we're going to bring you in for a top 30. They spend the whole day with you. They get on the board. Uh, you can check their, uh, intelligence you you can have every coach meet them you get to know them so it's extremely valuable for that the other thing that we would do is players that were not invited to combine you may not have any medical information on them so when you bring them in as one of your top 30 you can do a full physical on them so uh you're kind of uh checking all the boxes on different players um, and you know, sometimes they're, they're you're, it's even a, a little chess match where you may bring in a player that you really don't have any, uh, interest in, but you want the rest of the league to think you have interest in them. So there's, there's a chess game as far as that's concerned, but yeah, so I would say mostly it's players you want to get more information from. And then there's also guys that don't go to the combine that you feel like, Hey, I need the full workup on this guy. Let's bring him in for a top 30. Right, but top thirty doesn't necessarily mean it's the top thirty guys on your board. No. Of course, it's yeah. it's guys that you may still have questions about. I know people people sometimes freak out and say, "Well, they drafted so and so, but they never had a top thirty visit with the guy." Yeah, but that but that might mean that when they met him at the Senior Bowl or the Shrine Bowl or at the Combine, that they had their questions answered and that the film answers the questions that they, that they want and, and they don't, they don't need more information. Yeah. You have all the information and some teams approach their top third and it's just called top 30, but some teams approach the top 30 mainly for undrafted free agents and it's a recruiting tool. So if they don't get picked after the draft, you have a better chance of, of signing that undrafted free agent because you got to know him for six, seven hours during the day. So yeah, a lot, oftentimes it's, it's just guys that have lower grades, but you want them after the draft. Yeah. And, and just to clarify with the top thirties, there is no on field stuff allowed. It's just meet and greet and 
information and take them around the building and take them to dinner or whatever and get to know them a little bit. But there is nothing allowed on the field, no workout at all. No workout at all. You're allowed uh, physicals, medical. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you can do medical, but no right. workouts at all. But the local, the local pro day, you are allowed to go on the field. Okay. Um, let's turn to actually talking about the Giants and talking about uh, this draft class and and some of uh, some of the needs for the Giants. And I, I'm curious. I don't know if you know Joe Shane at all. I don't know, you know, how closely you may have actually followed the 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 moves that that Joe has made since taking over the Giants. But I'm curious if you can just give me, you know, sort of, you know, from thirty thousand feet, maybe the your thoughts on on what uh, on what Joe and and Brian Dable have accomplished so far in New York. Joe is highly regarded amongst the NFL people for sure. Uh, he's a he's a good person. And what struck me was I thought he hired two outstanding people as assistant GM, Brandon Brown. He hired a guy named Mike DeReese. Those are two young up and coming uh, personnel men that uh, eventually are going to be GMs. So uh, two great hires. Um, I've you know, last year's draft is it's still yet to be known how good those players are going to be. But, hey, Thibodeau showed flashes of good things. I liked him as a player. I liked Bellinger coming out, uh, Neil. I mean, I, I think they're starting a good foundation. I think he's done real good things there. And it comes down to, as we all know, the quarterback and how the quarterback plays and is he the right guy? And, you know, some of the, some of the things he did in the playoffs was, was impressive for sure. Yeah. I thought uh, when it came to, to Daniel Jones, I think that one of the big questions with Daniel Jones was, could he, and he'll never be Patrick Mahomes. He'll never be that level of quarterback, but, but, I think one of the things that you always wondered is could he raise his level of play in a big spot? Right. And I thought he did I thought he did that against Minnesota in that playoff game. I thought that was a big part of the reason why the Giants decided to go forward with him. 100% agree. I was impressed with what he did and I had questions before that game Ed, but after that I was like, wow, this guy could be a guy. I mean, this guy can be a legitimate quarterback. So, if I'm a Giant fan, I'm feeling pretty good moving forward. You know, and as uh but as as Joe has said, it's a work in progress in building this team. He admitted at the end of the offseason or at the end of the season that there was a talent gap between the Giants and the Eagles and the Chiefs and in the 49ers and three or four of the top teams in the league. So let's, let's talk about a few of, of what we see as need areas for the giants. And one that everybody focuses on, of course, with the giants is the offensive line. And the giants, of course, have Andrew Thomas, who's morphed into or developed into a, a top tier left tackle. They have Evan Neal, and I think the the jury is still out on Evan Neal as to whether he's going to be a right tackle in the NFL or whether they're going to have to kick him inside eventually. But right now, I would expect the Giants to focus on the interior of that line in the draft, and and we focus mostly on the center position. And one of the things that I'm curious about when we focus on the center position 
everybody has their rankings, everybody has their ratings. And, but I look at I look at the work that you guys did at 33rd team and your center board doesn't look like everybody else's center board. So I'm just curious about uh, about the top of your, of your of your center board and you know why you have you have Joe Tipman and then you have Olu Olu with Timmy and you have John Michael Schmitz who's a guy that a lot of people think is a first round pick you have him as the third center so so I'm just I'm curious about those guys on your board yeah and 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 John Michael Schmitz v- may very well go in the first round but we did have we had Tipman one. Uh, and now it's a bit unusual. He's taller than the average center that you see. Usually those guys are 6'3-ish. He's a tall guy. But what I liked about Tipman was he's extremely smart, and you can just feel it on tape that he sees things and he can see them quickly. He plays on his feet. He plays with good balance. And when you turn the tape off, at the end of the day, he's a he's a productive player. Um and the Michigan kid, Oluwatumi, similar, highly intelligent, productive player. And I like John Michael Schmitz, too, Ed. I just didn't see an outstanding trait from him, whereas the other guy, the other players, I felt they had the uh, just a little stronger traits for the position. And, you know, I, we, we were talking just a little bit before. Never in my career has the center position been more valuable than it is now that the teams value that position now more than ever. I mean, it may be creeping closer to the tackle position, how, how important it is. That's interesting because we talk a lot about the value of the position at, at big blue view and, and I, you know, Ernie, of course, old theory was quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, and then guys that can cover, you know, and then guys that, that guys who can cover. So center is sort of outside of that directly impacts the passing game realm. But I've always thought you've got your two tackles and then you've got your center is the guy that a, he touches the ball in every play and B he is the guy that's responsible for, organizing you know and, and handling the communication on that offensive line so but so I, I'm just curious if you if you think there's a reason you know why the value is changing well and I agree with Ernie that's how I was brought up in scouting the left tackle pass rusher quarterback but I think with the spread offenses and all the different things that are going on in the run game when you have a center that can that's versatile and that's athletic. Like I was with the Eagles uh, with Jason Kelsey and he opened up our offense more than any other player that I've ever experienced just because of the things he could do athletically. We could, our playbook expanded because of all the things he could do down the field, laterally, all those things. And uh, like you said, identifying the defenses, making the calls, um, the other thing is if you talk to a quarterback, if they're getting pressured, they feel like pressure coming from the outside. They can step up. They can still see down the field. You get that pressure from up the middle. 
and they have nowhere to go and they have a hard time seeing and they kind of get frozen. So that center, if he can root in and block that big nose and keep, protect the quarterback, it's a huge deal. But yeah, one like I said, being with Kelsey, I, I just saw, wow, you could do so many different things in both the run and the pass game if you have an outstanding center. I'm just curious if having been connected to Kelsey might be one of the reasons why you're attracted to the athleticism of a Tipman. Yeah, I was. I would definitely say so. I would definitely say so. You want guys that can play on their feet and that could block 10, 12, 15 yards down the field, you know, guys like that can turn a 12 yard gain, a first down into a 30 or 40 yard gain with a, just a block down the field. And that changes the outcome of games. So yeah, I'm a big believer in that position and I, I didn't used to be, but it's, it's real important. Support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent. You want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L. VAN29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If the Giants were to take, whether their flavor, you know, at center, whether their guy is Tipman, whether it's Schmitz, whether it's Oluwatimi, you know, out of left field, maybe whether it's Whipler for God, you know, mm -hmm. for 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 the sake of argument, could you could you justify them going center at twenty five? I think so. I think so. Like we're talking about the importance of the position. Um, I could definitely see that. I don't think this is the strongest draft ever. And if you're picking a player to start at that position for you, definitely worth the 25th pick of the draft, in my opinion. And I'm curious, you know, the, the other position that everybody's focused on with the Giants, and, and I've asked Joe about it, and, and Joe says – you know, we're building a team here. We're not just focused on one position, but but everybody wants to talk about the wide receiver position. When you, if you were setting your board and thinking, you know, these are, everybody talks about 
these are first round players. These are borderline guys that might be first round players, second round players. How many of these wide receivers do you look at and say, you know, that's a first round wide receiver? Well, I, I think there's a handful. The, the player that stands out to me, and I'm not sure if everyone has him number one or not, probably not, but Quentin Johnston to me is the top player, the top receiver in the draft. Um, when I got done watching the tape with him, I was so impressed with some of the things he could do. And he ran, you know, mid four, five, four, fours, four, four, six, something like that. But I felt the play speed with him. This guy plays fast. And hey, I was around Larry Fitzgerald for four years. And I'm not saying he's Larry Fitzgerald, but this guy does some really great things with the ball in the air where he, you know, he can go snatch the ball out of the defender's hands and uses his size and his length to go grab it. So yeah, he's number one for me just because of his size, his explosiveness, and his ability to make plays down the field. I, I kind of look at, and you may have heard this, I kind of look at a receiving core as, as a basketball team. You have, you're have you going to have your power forward, your point guard. So they, they can be different sizes, different speeds, and have different skill sets. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I actually asked Joe about that, and, and he said, and, and maybe – yeah, and again, it could be smokescreen. It could be you know him not really wanting to uh, to give away his his intention. But he said that for the Giants, he said for Dable for Kafka, he said separation is number one above size, above physicality, above those types of things. And and I guess the way the NFL offenses are going more and more horizontal, I guess that's understandable as well. No doubt, and. Separation doesn't always mean you run a 4-3-40. It could mean a, a short area separation where you're able to get that little bit extra amount of room to get open and have the quarterback find you. So I totally understand what he's saying. And, you know, I was with Anquan Bolden as well, and Anquan was a 4-7 player. But within three yards, he was phenomenal, and he could just plant, drive, get out of his cut, and he could separate, but that wasn't 40 times speed separation. It was a short area separation. Yeah, I understood. I want to ask you another uh, Quentin Johnston question. The people who have questions about Johnston it have, it's not necessarily the speed question. It has nothing to, to do with the measurables. It's, it's more about his hands and the way that he catches the ball. Um, do you, do you have any concerns about about that at all? I know he's capable of of you know going up and snatching the ball, but does he do it consistently enough? He has too many concentration drops, and the drops he has most times are the easy drops. And just like we were taught when we were little, catch the ball before you run, and he doesn't catch the ball before he runs consistently. So that's something that he definitely needs to clean up. It is true. He does have too many drops, but it is something that you can improve on and with pro coaching should improve and better improve because it certainly is true. And, you know, the other thing, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, Joe talking about separation for you, you know, who are the real, who are the real separators in this class? Not, not the guys that just can run by people, you know, not the straight line speed Jalen 
Jalen Hyatt type guys. But who are those guys that that you would say are real, you know, quarterback friendly kind of you know separation type type receivers? I'm going to give you two, and they're two different guys. Jackson Smith, the Jigba, is not super fast, and if you watch him and study him, he's not fast. He's not an explosive player, but similar to Bolden in a short area, he's really good at getting open and creating separation in a short area. He can do that. That's what he's going to make his money doing. The other player I'll give you, Ed, is Zay Flowers, who's not a big player, but he's straight line explosive fast down the field. And I talked before about feeling the speed. I feel the speed with with him down the field, uh, creating separation. I want to give you one more I want the fans to to remember this name. It's a guy named Tyler Scott, and he ran like four four nine at the combine. wasn't super explosive, but he's one of the faster play speed players in the draft. He's he plays to a four three level, and he's big time explosive. Yeah, it's. I had a chance to talk to Tyler actually for the podcast as well, and you know I, I'm impressed by him and. And I was impressed when I talked to him about his desire to really learn the nuances of the craft. And now that, that was impressive to me is that he understands that he has a lot to learn. Yeah. The scouts I've talked to really like him as a kid. And like we talked about, you know, not having life balance, that kid's going to be all football. He's going to work at it. He's going to get better. And he, he's another player Ed, that he's has some drops as well. You'll see that, but he's so explosive. The speed just oozes out of him. I'm going to really enjoy watching him in the NFL, and I can't wait to see where he goes. I just hope he doesn't go to Philly. (laughs) (laughs) The rich get richer. (laughs) There you go. There you go. I have to ask you on the other side of the ball, I have to ask you about a player that you guys have rated really highly just a guy that it's taken me a long time to come around on uh, simply because of the fact that that he's he's a string bean. And but I have to ask you about Emmanuel Forbes because when I look at the guy, he's got everything. He's actually long. He's got an incredible wingspan. He's got speed. He's got instincts. He's got ball skills. He's got everything except the fact that he's 166 pounds. Can you draft this guy and put him out there on the outside at 166 pounds? Can you draft him in the first round and and put him out there and let him play? I think you can. Like when I watched him, Ed, I'm like, man, this guy's thin. I thought he was going to be 180, but he was 166 pounds. Whoa. What? I I mean, you mentioned the ball skills, phenomenal ball skills, hands, production, ball production, all that. But I felt like he he's a tough guy and he'll tackle. But he he understood leverage and timing. He's so instinctive that I thought he protected himself better than most corners in college protect himself. And that may be the angle you go in on someone. It's maybe the way you use your hands. And maybe I'm not explaining that exactly. I just felt like he protected himself. And that just made in terms me feel of, 
yeah, in terms of in terms of how he how he might approach contact and and things like that. Yeah, and he's and he is tough, but he just understands leverage and where to put his body in his hands, and so I, he's so instinctive, and he's instinctive with that too. So that made me feel a little better about the, the weight, but I'm I'm concerned, but I would still pick him in the first round. I would. Yeah, I just think uh, I think the Giants are in a are in a uh, in a weird spot. Where if you look at it, if you're one of those people that's convinced that cornerback and wide receiver might be their the two areas that they might approach, you might look at the top four wide receivers, the top three or four cornerbacks, and think, well, all of those guys are going to be gone at 25. Do you just do do you look at 25 in this draft as kind of a weird spot? I still think you can get a good player. Like I said, this isn't the greatest draft ever, but if you do your homework and you stick to your board, you can still get a good player. And I think the Giants, the people that I know in that building, they're going to get the right guy. I have no doubt about that. They're going to get a good player. They're going to get a starter for the long term. If that's a center, if that's a corner receiver, whatever position, there's a player there to be picked. Could it be, you know, could it be defensive tackle, linebacker, safety? Could it be one of those guys at, at, at a different position? Inside off the ball linebackers, I don't feel like it's a strong draft. Trenton Simpson from Clemson's a guy we have first round grades on. After that, there's a bit of a drop off. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit of no man's land with, with defensive tackle. A name that I would keep my eye on if I'm the Giants fans are, is Brian Branch from, from Alabama. He is a safety, but he's got versatility where he can play corner and safety. Super smart player. And he's probably the best tackler in the draft. He's a guy I could definitely see going in that 20s range. And if they took him, you're picking an immediate starter that can do a lot of different things uh, on the it's, field. It, I like Branch, and I'm glad you mentioned him. You know, the Giants let Julian Love go in free agency. And you know, Branch is a guy, I think if you break down his snaps, he played more slot at Alabama yeah. than he did safety. So you think about Wink Martindale and how he calls everything positionless. And I I don't know, I just feel like Branch is a is a Martindale type player. Yeah, because you can be creative with him, and when players can do multiple things, it makes everyone's job easier. That's why I, I would keep my eye on on him. See, you, see, you make me feel good because that's a like that's that's a player who who I've kind of been thinking, you know, if if it breaks right, that might be a guy. Well, Ed, you make me feel good because every show I go on, all I do is talk about quarterbacks, and the Giants have a quarterback, so I don't have to sit here and talk about quarterbacks on the show the whole time. <laughs> well, I could ask you, yeah. <laughs> I could ask you a quarterback question, and okay. since 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 you went there, all right, I'm just curious. You know, the Giants have Daniel Jones, they have Tyrod Taylor, but they could use a developmental young quarterback probably a day three guy and i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of just shooting this one at you are there are there a couple of of day three type guys you think could develop into you maybe not brock purdy but could develop into into guys that can be a number two 
I'm sure there's one out there. The the one name, and I'm not sure what round he's going to go, but he's not one of the top guys, is the kid from Stanford. I really like uh, Tanner McKee and what some of the things he can do. Now, he's not the wow athlete that is kind of you know on the field now for teams, but he's a very accurate passer. He's tough. He's been in a pro offense. That's a guy that's intriguing to me. Cool. I'm going to be interested to see if the Giants pull the trigger on a on a on a day three guy. They've got, they've got. I think out of their ten picks, I think seven of them are uh, are are day three picks. Right. By the way, how many how many teams have you how many teams have you been a part of where three seventh round picks all made the fifty three man roster? Because the Giants have three seventh round picks. I don't think that's ever. I don't think I've been on a team that has had that. Now, when I was with the Colts, there was a—I think it was a 15-year span where an undrafted player made the team in Indianapolis. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll see. We'll see what Joe does with all those day three picks. Yeah. If I know, if I know Joe, he's going to try to maneuver with those a little bit. But I—I I know from my perspective, I want him to dump all of those all of those seventh round picks because they all come from 240 or later. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't want to work that hard on Saturday. <laughs> it's a long day. I don't want to work. I don't want to work that hard on Saturday. I want to be able to go play some golf. It's a long weekend for sure. <laughs> all right. TJ, I really, really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, you, you dropped some, some good knowledge on us here. So just let folks know, you know, where they can, where they can find, uh, where they can find you on social media, if you want to do that or sure. where they can, uh, you know, where they can find the work at 33rd team. Yeah. At the 33rd team.com. And then my Twitter is at NFL TJ 25. And Ed, I have to shout out the three scouts, the other three scouts that have work, that we have working for us, like I said, all have NFL experience, Justin Casey, Evan Pritt. But there's a little bit of a Giants connection. One of our scouts is a young man named Kevin Cohn who worked for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you may know his uncle. His uncle is a pretty good coach for the New York Giants, guy by the name of Tom Coughlin. So we have a oh, connection boy. there. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And uh, I think you have working in another one of your departments, not directly with you guys in scouting. You have a guy named Tom Radoski that works with you guys as well. That right. was that was in the Giants scouting department for a for for a minute or two. Right. So so that is as I said earlier, that for me is one of the reasons why the work that you guys do is attractive because you guys. Yeah, everybody can. Everybody can. Uh, and Dan Hatman, who runs the Scouting Academy, is a friend of mine. And you can you, you can take Dan's class and and learn how to scout and learn some of what you guys look for. But but it's a whole different thing when you've been in the buildings and you've been in those rooms and and you know the thought process that goes into all of it. And that's that's one of the reasons why I love the work you guys do. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. So, uh, TJ, thank you again for coming on. Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please remember to uh, stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.